0: Ted Audio Collective.
1: Did you ever really feel that
2: you hated the other? Me personally, I hated her.
0: Yeah, Um, I hated you for thinking that you were someone else.
1: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called... Hey, and welcome to Conversations with People Who Hate Me. I am your host, Dylan Marin, back from an almost two-year hiatus, and I gotta say, I have really missed you, so I'm glad to be back. If you're a longtime listener, I am so glad to have you return, and if you are just tuning in for the very first time, I am equally thrilled to have you here to explain the show's long absence from your feed— There was, as you know, a global pandemic, but there was also something else. I wrote a book, a book that is actually also called Conversations with People Who Hate Me because it's all about this very podcast. In this book, I retrace my steps through years of making this show, the hundreds of strangers I've corresponded with behind the scenes, the dozens of conversations that you've heard me host publicly, and I distilled all of that down to 12 things that I've learned from this project. And while the book tells the story of my process, the mistakes I've made along the way, and the unlikely connections I've made in spite of them, It's really meant to be a roadmap for you on how to have difficult conversations of your own. And it's not just with internet strangers, but family members, estranged friends, similarly-minded folks who you just spar with for one reason or another, or anyone who sees the world differently from you. I will tell you that Glennon Doyle, the best-selling author of Untamed, and of whom I am a huge fan, said that this book helped her believe again in the potential goodness of the internet. Please do not judge me for relaying a compliment about my own book. It was a very big deal. And you know what? You totally can judge me. You can think whatever you want about me. I welcome it. Last thing I'll say about the book is that Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the book, comes out on March 29th, 2022, and I am so, so, so excited to finally share this with you. It has been a long journey. It's available for pre sale now, and you can either follow the link in the description of this episode, or you can choose your absolute favorite search engine and find it there. Okay, that's a lot about the book. We are here for a podcast, and that is exactly what is about to happen. So if you know this show, you know that in most episodes I either speak to one of my own online detractors, or I'll host a conversation between strangers who got into some digital friction of their own. You would also know that contrary to the title, this isn't a hateful show, it's actually quite the opposite, and all about getting to know the human on the other side of the screen. But today, I'm hosting a conversation between two people who didn't intersect online. There were no hateful DMs, no acidic tweets. There wasn't even a nasty email. Today, I'm hosting a conversation between a mother and son. Cody is a teenager who came out as trans in early high school. Jana is his mom, and she had quite a hard time accepting her son's true identity. This episode is called Salvation, which refers to the, quote, preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss, end quote. This episode is about what we can lose on that righteous path to salvation and who we can hurt in our quest for it. Now, a quick word of warning. This episode talks about suicide attempts and ideation, and if that's not something you want to hear right now or should be hearing right now, I totally get it. If you're struggling and need help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And specifically for trans listeners, you might also wanna check out translifeline.org for more resources. All right, let's begin. So first, I'll speak one-on-one with Cody, then his mom, Jana, and finally, I'm going to connect them to each other. So here we go. Cody, I'm just going to start recording right now. Are you comfortable with that? Awesome. Yes. Have you started recording? Not yet. Okay. Just h- hit that record button. All right. Awesome. Um, okay. So Cody, hi. We can actually talk as human beings now. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, how is your day going so far? Good. Pretty good. Good.
2: What's going on? Um, Not much. Just cleaned my room, did some organizing stuff. And you have a day off today? Yes. Where do you work? I work uh, at a pizza place uh, right down the street from my house. Okay, And I just started managing a couple weeks ago.
1: Do you like doing that stuff? Do you wanna work in
2: customer service long-term? No, my dream is to pursue a psychology career. I'm hoping to get a raise soon. Um, I'm just gonna keep working there and maybe get a second job um, just while I go through college.
1: Uh Oh my God, this is big. Yeah. Holy moly. Okay, well, I feel like I'm catching you at such a crucial and amazing time in your life. So what yeah. an honor for me. <laughs> I guess let's start with a very LGBTQ queer question. Mm-hmm. But when did you come out?
2: Um, I actually came out a few times. Okay. Um, but I would say the first time I came out was, I was, at, I was 13 and I came out as bisexual. Um, and I had a girlfriend but I didn't tell my mom that I had a girlfriend. I just came out, you know, as bisexual. <laughs> and But I do remember that she did end up finding out that I had a girlfriend. And she basically forced us to stop talking and break up.
1: Whoa. Yeah. How did you feel about your mom making you break up? Like, it's clearly
2: something you went through with. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it was very unfair, but I didn't really have a choice because... Obviously, I was 13, so she had access to like my phone. She could check it whenever she wanted, um, which is fair. But I did feel pretty attacked, and it did very much seem like it was mostly because of she didn't think I knew what I wanted yet at that age. That was the first time you came out, you said? Mm-hmm.
1: And now what was the second time?
2: Um, the second time I was 14, and I just came out as a lesbian, because mm. at that point I was still identifying as female. And I like women... And I see myself as a man sometimes. So I must be, you know, like a uh, like a butch lesbian or, or something. So I came out at, f- at 14 as a lesbian. And my mom basically. The vibe I got was like, you don't know what you really want. Hmm. Um, this isn't what God wants for you. How are you going to get to heaven? Like you're too young to really know what you want. Hmm. That that kind of stuff. So that was
1: the second coming out mm-hmm. and that was this coming out as a lesbian yeah take me there to the third coming out <laughs> so third coming out um <laughs> this sounds so awful no i love this this is this feels like a gay amusement park ride you know <laughs> yeah, like, i know it like, really felt like okay, that too. the life of cody we're seeing him <laughs> young
2: we're seeing him <laughs> yeah. older yeah it definitely felt like that um i would say around 14 15 getting um into high school I came out as pansexual. My mom kind of began to be kind of quiet, didn't really say much about my identity. It wasn't really like a big deal at that point. Hmm. Um, we didn't have a very strong relationship. Hmm. and But you were living together. Yeah, I was living week on um, with my mom and, and week on with my dad. So every Friday hmm. I would switch houses.
1: So third coming out is pansexual and then fourth coming out.
2: A little bit into my freshman year of high school is when I came out as trans.
1: And did this coming out feel different?
2: Yes, it felt very different. Um, I had been sitting on it for a lot longer than I'd ever sat on any of my other like sexualities yeah. or anything that I was questioning. And I had talked to you know, friends about it before I actually came out. And um, I really hid it for a while because hmm. I didn't want to disappoint my mom and I I didn't want to go against, you know, mm. anybody's wishes and my dad had always wanted me to be like a daddy's girl and I didn't want to throw any of that away. Mm. Um in like my 8th grade period I was wearing a lot of dresses, a lot of makeup to try to push that away. So then when I came out as trans it felt a lot more concrete because I was like I've I've thought about this for a while anyway i had a lot of support from my friends um when i came out they all started calling me the right name and pronouns right away um and i had started with they them pronouns and that lasted probably about a week or two and i was like eh, let's let's try he him pronouns and then let just, just, that go. just stuck. go for it yeah, yeah and the the first name i the first name i ever chose was cody nice.
1: and i remember
2: i was staying up i it was really really late at night and i had actually made a, a google doc and shared it with my best friend, and we just like put a bunch of names on there that we were thinking about. Whoa! And yeah, and we were we were either on a phone call or Skype or something as we wrote these down. And I remember like reading the Skype messages and like saying goodnight to him after we had like hung up or whatever. And I remember him saying like, "Well, goodnight, Cody." And he had like texted that out, and it like really hit me like,
1: "Wow,
2: Whoa. this feel this feels right." Oh my god! Yeah, that's really cool. It was.
1: Um. I also think that the um, sharing uh, new chosen names on Google Docs is like modern (laughs) queer teenage (laughs) You know, it's like, it's very like our queer ancestors could never have imagined that we would be writing our chosen names on Google Docs. But here you are, or Mm -hmm. here you were. So it seems like you have a lot of support from your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, How did your mom take it?
2: Well, I actually didn't come out to her as close to coming out to everybody else, I came out to literally everybody but her. Hmm. And then I came out to her very last. Why did you consciously wait to tell your mom? Mostly because of how I knew she had reacted to me coming out previously. Hmm. And I knew she already didn't approve of that quote-unquote lifestyle. (laughs) Um, And then I also knew that I had come out multiple times before... And that that didn't help me very much. Um
1: In your relationship with her? Yeah.
2: So she probably just wouldn't believe me again. And then, you know, with her beliefs and stuff, I didn't want to tell her at all. So how did you end up coming out to your mom? Walk me through how that goes. This I vividly remember because I was so nervous and we, at this point, were not getting along very well. We like barely talked. I was in my room a lot. So I remember sitting down in the living room and she was in her lazy boy chair and I had sat on the couch, which is next to her. And I was just staring at the wall Mm. and she was like, hey, what's up? Like, what are you thinking about? Mm. And I was like, I'm just trying to think of how to tell you what I'm trying to tell you. Whoa. And she was like, What do you what do you want to tell me? What do you want to talk to me about? And after that, all of the words that I said are completely gone from my brain. <laughs> total blackout. Um, yeah, it it was a total blackout because she was not happy. But I basically remembered just at some point getting to the fact like I I'm I'm trans, I'm I'm a boy. Whoa. And she from what I remember did her usual spiel of like you don't know what you want. Like, this isn't what God wants for you. I want you to go to heaven. Got it. It it could be just a phase. Like mm-hmm.
1: That's not how God made you, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. She would say that, and she would always say, I love you anyway, but it felt kind of conditional because she would say, I love you, but this isn't what God wants for you.
1: Yeah. And I love you anyway feels like I love you with an asterisk. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, I I love you in spite of this horrible thing about you. Yeah, right,
2: exactly. So um, soon after that, um, I stayed with my dad because I felt very unsafe around her, not physically, but mentally, emotionally.
1: Would she continue trying to save you, convince
2: you, talk to you about
1: her understanding of God?
2: Constantly, yeah. um, She was always... Trying, I wouldn't say trying to convert me Hmm. point blank, but I did feel like that was what she was doing. Um, like trying to save me from the devil and all those kinds of things. Whoa. I want you to get to heaven. I want you to have salvation. And I can definitely say that definitely ruined any relationship I could have had with religion. <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Yeah, um, kind of wild that you don't want to sign up for a religion that you are being sold to as a way to change who you are. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It's nuts that that you did that. Yeah. Um How is your mental health
2: at this time? What Terrible. is going on? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's Just really no answer. other way to put it. Um, yeah. Through my freshman year and a little bit into my sophomore year, I was put into a um, mental hospital inpatient four times Whoa! because of like suicidal ideation and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the very last time was for an attempt.
1: Just confirming that you feel like safe and comfortable talking yep. about this. Okay. Yeah. Great. So suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. suicide attempts. Yep. And then... What was your relationship with your mom like in those early visits to the hospital, the first three visits?
2: Um, well, for the early parts of it um, was when I wasn't living with her. So she didn't have much connection with me.
1: And you guys weren't talking.
2: Nope, I told her to not talk to me because I, I didn't want to talk to her at all. I didn't want to hear from her because yeah. I felt very hurt and attacked and very unseen and unheard. So I, I definitely did not like her at all at that point. And then, there was a fourth hospital visit. Yeah. My third hospital stay, I was there for 17 days. And the very last day, I had told them, I am not ready to go home. Mm. I will hurt myself, especially if you send me home with my mother. I will do something. I'm not ready to go home. I still feel the same as I did when I first came.
1: So you are sent home?
2: Yes, I was sent home. Five days later, after or after I was sent home, I was at my dad's house, and I was like, here we go. Like, this isn't this isn't worth it. I don't want to be here.
1: Now, at this point in the conversation, Cody details how he attempted suicide, and I'm going to be skipping over those details. So let's fast forward to the aftermath.
2: I did it, and then my stepmom came into my room because she is a—she cuts hair, and she had a client at the house— And she was checking up on me, and then she just kind of looked at me, and she was like, "You did not." Whoa. And so they called the, they called nine one one, and the ambulance came, and the ambulance got there. Um, they had opened the doors, and I saw my mom, and I saw my dad. Um, and I just remember hearing my mom yelling, quite, quite literally screaming at my dad, like, like, why weren't you like watching her? Why was she alone? You know, all Mm. these things. Misgendering you. Yeah. 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 They always were. They had never ever, and never tried near near this time at all. And um she just kept like throwing accusations at him. Um and I believe it was the ambulance drivers that told them to like like knock it off. We have to like save this person's life. Get this we have to get this kid up upstairs and like into a room or whatever. And then I was sent to my fourth hospital. So it was five days later after my third stay.
1: Oh my god. Mm-hmm. At at this time, is there a question you had for your mom that you just like couldn't ask her?
2: Yeah, I guess if I did have a question, it would have just been like like why? Why do you care so much? Like it's not your job to police my religion and like why do you care so much about what I quote unquote wanna be? Or actually am. Like why? Why do you care?
1: Soon after I talk to Cody, I get set up for another conversation.
0: Oh, I need to click continue. Stand by.
1: Have you hit record?
0: I have not yet. Shall I? Let's do it. Okay. I'm recording.
1: One with his mom, Jana. No. <laughs> okay, you're recording. You just had a hair appointment. I did. Okay. Um, just so I can get your levels, I want to hear how your hair appointment was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I love my stylist. She's amazing. She owns the salon, so she knows what she's doing. And so she's done like a lot of in-between stuff for me. Like I I absolutely love her. I love her.
1: Okay, great. Um so Jana just so we can get to know you a little, what do you do for work? I am a sign language interpreter. Okay.
0: Yes, I'm a sign language interpreter. I've been nationally certified with credentials now for 25 years.
1: Oh, my God. And,
0: um, yeah. Look at you. That's pretty much what I do.
1: And you are also a mom. I am. I would just like to kind of hear about early motherhood for you. Um, You had Cody. What was that like?
0: I uh, was pregnant for Cody when I was 30. And... um, Five months into it, it was gender reveal on the ultrasound, and
1: you did a gender reveal before the gender reveals were big.
0: Uh, well, not really a reveal necessarily. It was like in the doctor's office where they tell you what you're having. The but, like yeah.
1: old old school gender reveals. Thanks, reveal. thanks. Yeah. thanks, Dylan. <laughs> no, the new <laughs> yeah, school. Pretty much. The new current
0: hip, it's contemporary. Okay. It was back in 2002. You're fine. I get it. <laughs> so we go in for the five month ultrasound, and the whole way there, I'm like, please, Lord, give me a boy. Mm. please give me a boy. Please give me a boy because I want GI Joes and boy stuff. Cause I'm a tomboy. I don't want to deal with tampons, boyfriends, fingernail polish, bras, mm. all this stuff. <laughs> like I'm not about it. Give me a boy. Mm. So they do the ultrasound. It's a girl. <sighs> so I cried all the way home. I didn't have any girl names picked out. And I was like, Oh, but it, it grew on me. Right. It, it grew on me. And, um, that kid was the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. And not just because he was mine. I just remember the feeling of his warmth on me. and
1: wow. And
0: uh, just the feeling of, I, I don't even know. It's like this electrical impulse that goes through you from from the gut all the way
1: up. And you're just yeah. like, wow. And then early, early years mm. for Cody... Yeah,
0: early years for Cody were your typical thing that we do with most kids that are, you know, whatever gender they're assigned at birth. I did all the princess, he had princess parties, he wore princess crowns, he had the, you know, the dresses. And Mm -hmm. uh, when he was real young, like three, two and three, he liked to kind of, he would wear like super cute little blue jean skirts and sweaters and like, he loved Taylor Swift. So (laughs) he had to look like Taylor, like the high boots and he'd strutted on that. Wow. But then once he got into school, school age, I started noticing he liked the sweatpants and t-shirts more. Interesting. He didn't really want to do the girly stuff anymore.
1: Yeah. So it's a good segue. Um, the first time Cody came out to you was around 2016, I understand. Yes. Separate from Cody, I want to hear mm. who were you in 2016. Mm. Give us a full picture. In
0: 2016, I was die-hard conservative Jesus-following person. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very conservative. Um, were,
1: were you, like, politically involved or in so much as you no, voted?
0: No, not at all. No, I just knew that—and again, this is where the church influences a lot of things that it should not. Mm. The church influences your political stance. Hmm. Everybody who's a Christian has to be Republican, so I was Republican. Hmm. Heaven forbid you be a Democrat and still love Jesus at the same time, because you can't (laughs) do that. Can't do
1: that. So you belong to a church.
0: Yeah, yeah. I belong to a church um, in my town, and um, I had been saved at the age of 23, fully baptized under the water. And that was a really cool experience for me. That was way back in 1996. So it had been a while since, you know, that I'd been going to the church. And I was under that impression of hate the sin, love the sinner. You know, being gay is just bad and you're just going to go to hell, but you love them anyway. And mm. but we're going to pray the gay out of them. And, you know, that that's just that's kind of where my mentality was in 2016.
1: Um, You said you were saved when you were 23. Yeah. Saved. Am I using the right terminology? Yeah. Yeah. What was your relationship with faith before that? Because that's typically older than uh, the beginning of a faith journey. Yeah.
0: Um, So when I was young, um, I was eight. I had an older sister who was 10. We were walking home from school and a car hit her in the middle of the street and killed her in the street. And so I had to run home. I had to be the one to run home and tell mom, Alexandra's in the middle of the street. That's the last thing I remember. I don't remember them telling me she died. I don't remember her funeral. The only thing I remember after all of that happening was my parents were never the same. Mm. My mom couldn't function, rightfully so. My dad's a 24-hour on and off firefighter, so he's not home. So I had to... Grow up really fast and become the older sister. And like I was yeah. now 10 years old, babysitting my two younger siblings who were my younger sister was one when it happened, and my brother was five and I was eight. Mm. My parents were Catholic, and this is where this plays in. So my parents are Catholic. And so um, survivor's guilt was huge for me. And I was like, God, why did you leave me here to clean this mess? Why didn't you take me with her? Yeah. Why is it that I grabbed her hand that day and the car took her away literally? and she was gone. Why didn't you take me? So anyway, this plays along because when I was 18, I was like, I'm done with this whole religion thing. Yeah. Because if this was really real, God would not have left me behind. He would have taken me up there. So something, it, it wasn't clicking. And uh, I started working somewhere, and there's a couple people that work there that were Christians. They never really said anything about God, but I knew they were different. I knew something was different about them, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Well, we became friends. They invited me to one of their youth group bonfires on a friday night i'm expecting i'm expecting a doobie to be passed around i'm expecting (laughs) a little bit of drinking like there's no beer there's no pot what are we doing this is weird like i couldn't it couldn't couldn't figure it out long story longer that's kind of how i learned who jesus was and what a relationship with jesus was all about got it because i was using the f-bomb like crazy i was just i mean i i grew up with parents that were partiers and but these friends the whole point of my story is these friends never ever ever tried telling me that I was speaking the wrong way, that I was acting the wrong way, that I was doing anything wrong. They just loved me where I was. Hmm. And so for me, that was a huge thing. So I started getting more curious about this whole God thing. And that's kind of where my relationship with God started was that point, because I had this, I'm done. Why didn't you take me with her to, okay, that Catholic part's not, that's the religious part. This is different. I want to know more about this part of it. So that's where that whole thing started.
1: You know, not to pathologize this for you, and please tell me if I'm out of line or or incorrect, but what it sounds like is that you experienced this incredibly traumatic thing in childhood, and then you were looking for not only a community that would hold you and keep you, but also a way to make sense of this world and a like closer relationship to God in a way that would then make sense of what you experienced when you were a kid. Absolutely. Does that feel right? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I think to this day I'm 48 and I still feel like I'm still a strong Christian and I feel that same way still. Like yeah. He everything he everything that happens to us is for his good. Mm-hmm. He uses everything every situation that happens to us for a reason hence I'm being here today.
1: So you're saved when you're 23, you are then like more involved in this church. Now again, I am. Yeah. This is this is why this is always complicated <laughs> to talk about because it's not like people just decide to join churches that believe in hateful things. They right, want to belong to something and so then they belong to a thing. But then um, you get certain lessons, <laughs> you get certain um, cues. I could not have said it better. But you didn't know this in yeah. 2016.
0: No, my whole thought was, I figured this is the only way it is. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was necessarily sheltered at the church. But when that's, when you go in and you fall in love with Jesus and you start to meet other Christians who will fall in love with Jesus too, and you have this, you know, you, you can connect with other people who are on the same belief system that you're on. Hmm. What you hear from a pastor is what you automatically accept. You just, you, you take it.
1: Totally. So you're, you're deeply involved in the church at this time, and then Cody comes out to you for the first time. Yeah. What's your reaction? How do you take it?
0: Without even thinking, I said to him, this is not what God wants for you. This is not how he created you to be. And when I die and I go to heaven, my job as a mom is to get you there. My job is your salvation. God gave you to me with the promise that I was going to bring you up in the Lord and have salvation. And what you're doing is not going to get you
1: there. To be fair, I know that the the best version of it is you're not going to go to heaven, but what that also implies is— You're going to hell. Yeah. 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 Then there were a few more coming outs for Cody. He came out as bi. He came out as pan. He did. How did you take those coming outs?
0: The same way. Again, this isn't how God made you. And then I said, why are you labeling yourself? Yeah. Why do you got to keep coming up with new names for yourself? Why are you doing that in this in this tone?
1: Like I, I understand that the fear was about Cody being saved, but was there any part of you That was like, I'm going to be excommunicated from this community that means so much to me.
0: Absolutely. I was very much on the track of, what is my church going to say? Yeah. What is my friends going to say? How am I going to bring my gay kid into my church? How am I going to do that without looking like an idiot? Mm. That's where I was. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: And again, please correct if I'm wrong, but there was also a sense of self-preservation for it.
0: Yeah, self-preservation is a really good word for it because it's like, how can I still have the religious reputation that I have Mm. with a gay kid at the same time? How do I do that?
1: How do I do that? And in a sense, you felt pure. And so this was something that made you impure. Yes, absolutely. I felt stained, for sure. Yeah. Wow. What? Wow. Yep. So then, Cody's forthcoming out. Cody comes out as trans.
0: By now, I'm sick of it. Now I'm like, okay, what label are we using this week? Because clearly this is going to be really dumb. What am I going to do now? And now I got to tell everybody my kid's a boy. How, what? Mm, it was bad. Yeah.
1: And so I take yeah. it you were not using he, him pronouns at the time.
0: <laughs> no, my whole thought to this whole thing was huge refusal, denial, whatever you want to call it.
1: So what does that do to your relationship with each other?
0: It completely wrecked it, yeah, completely wrecked our relationship, no, he'd already been in the hospital a couple of times self harm stuff like that, and when he came out as trans, I told him his birth' name was. His birth name. I told him I was going to call him she pronouns. I said, This is not happening. It's not happening. Well, every time I did that, it
1: invalidated him more. But you didn't know that at the time.
0: Uh uh-uh, uh. I didn't know. I'm like, I'm doing what's right. Yeah. I'm a mom doing what God is telling me to do by telling you you're sinning. Yeah. So all this stuff you're hearing from me, too bad. You'll get over it. You'll look back someday and thank me.
1: And so that was after like three visits to the hospitals.
0: Yeah. And yep, then yep.
1: there was a fourth visit.
0: There was a fourth visit, and I still get choked up by this one. So before this fourth visit, Cody and I were kind of sort of getting along, but I was tolerating it. I was tolerating his transgender stuff. Like, I was, pronouns were not being used, name wasn't being used, I was tolerating it. So long story short. So his dad calls me crying and says, he just tried killing himself. He's on the way in an ambulance. And I drive up to the hospital as the ambulance is pulling in. And he he comes in on this ambulance, like, he comes in this ambulance wanting to die. Mm. Wanting to die. And it still, at that point, didn't click. Why? It didn't click that I was probably the reason. It didn't click. Mm. I just figured... He still can't figure out that he's a girl. Like, you know, I still was.
1: That's what it was in your head.
0: Yeah. And I was still like, I was leaning more towards maybe it's real. Maybe he really is trans at that point. But I wasn't ready to totally jump in headfirst first yet. But seeing your kid come in on a stretcher because they didn't think they were worthy enough to live. They didn't want to exist anymore. I knew then I had to do something. I knew what I was doing was not working. I didn't know what I needed to do. But I knew if I kept doing what I was doing, he was going to succeed. And I was going to have a kid in the grave. And I was going to have to deal with that every week. I was going to have to deal with what my mom dealt with and go and visit my kid in a grave. Mm. And then I would have to deal with the fact that it would be my fault the rest of my life. Can you imagine mm. feeling the guilt of all of that? I, You know? Anyway, so he goes into the hospital and I had my Bible. You brought it. No, when I got home from the hospital, it was here. It. And I had it in my hands. And I was walking around my apartment. And I went into Cody's room and I prayed over his doorframe and I prayed over everything in his room and I prayed for everything he touched and everything he loved in his room that he would come back, you know, Mm. that he would be able to come back and be in my presence again. So at that point, I was like, I can't pray this gay away. It's not going to go away. I need to pray for his life. I need to pray that, that he loves himself Mm. enough to want to exist like that's finally it was like this okay maybe god did make him this way because no one's going to choose to live this kind of life like if it's a phase kids go through the phase of being goth or being you know punk rock or whatever you know in high school but it doesn't last long this was not a phase we're going on year number three now two whatever it was so then i get the call from the therapist and i'm still the therapist calls me to talk about what's going on with with him and the therapist says you have got to start using his pronouns and his name or I can't guarantee what's going to happen the rates of the suicide rates of transgender kids is huge this is a real thing studies have been done. been done transgender is a thing Mm. please just open your eyes and mind to what's going on whatever so I said fine I'll call him Cody just put him on the phone whatever so Cody gets on the phone and I said, okay, you want me to call you Cody? I'll call you Cody. I'm rolling my eyes this whole time. Mm. I didn't get it. Mm. But the minute I did that, the piece that my kid had was like no other. So I picked up my phone. I hit contacts, typed in his name, went up, and I will never forget touching the word edit on my phone, mm. tapping on that name and backspacing it. So I type it, and I hit save. That's all she wrote. Wow. And that's where, you know, Cody's attempted suicide, that was the turning point for me to get it together.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, So the last question I have for you, and it's a short one, but is there something that you want to tell Cody or ask Cody that you have never asked or told him? I guess the one thing
0: that I would tell him is I'm so sorry hmm. for that. Um, I think he knows that because I I will say to him now, you know... I can't believe I did that or, wow, that was really dumb or whatever. But I've never really sat down. And I don't know why. It just never, there's no reason I didn't. But I've never really sat down and just said, I am sorry for causing all of this pain and not affirming who you are and not supporting you in your journey and not realizing that it's not just my side, but you have a side in this too. And so I think for me, it's just that whole asking forgiveness and just, I'm sorry that I didn't know. And it's not that I'm sorry for being mean or for being purposefully a bad person. It's I'm sorry that I didn't know any better. I'm sorry that it took you to try to take your life Mm. for me to realize. I'm sorry it went to that extreme. I'm sorry that you had the pain of going through this first part of your journey alone i'm sorry i didn't get to help you pick your name mm. you know um i'm sorry i didn't see your first haircut um i'm sorry i didn't meet your 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 significant others i'm i'm sorry i didn't i'm sorry i wasn't there for all the things that i would have been if you presented female at the age of 13 14 you know um i think that's the biggest thing for me is that yeah. Yeah. It still gets to me. It still gets to me. It just, it does. I, yeah. you know, my, 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 uh, my hope is that a parent will, will, will hear this broadcast and um, not do what I did. I missed out on so many firsts Yeah. because of, of that. So yeah, for sure.
1: Up next, I talked to Cody and Jana together, but before that, a quick break. If you like this podcast and you want to help support it directly, you can check out our merch store. We have brand new shirts that say, Empathy is not endorsement, a mantra I've made for the show, and stickers that say what I say at the end of every episode, Remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. Also, there's a shirt that has Rob Wilson's beautiful logo for our show on it. Check it all out at www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com and click on Merch. All right. We are back. Now, you may have caught that both Jana and Cody told their story in the past tense, and that is because some things have changed. Hi. Uh-huh. hey, Can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. A lot of things have changed. They live together and have a totally different relationship. Do not disturb is on, and we are recording. So first of all, Hi. Hi. (laughs) Now, I have to say that this is typically the point in the podcast episode where I either introduce people to each other or (laughs) reconnect people after a long time of distance. Um, That is not the case now. You live together. Yes, we do. Okay, so last we left off, things were just starting to change between you two. How did we get from after Cody's hospital visit to now? So I say, just go for it.
2: I would say it started changing during my last hospital visit. My social worker at that last hospital had had a talk with her for like 45-ish minutes. Yep. Obviously, it wasn't a smooth transition. But after that, she definitely immediately started trying to address me correctly.
0: Mm. I think for me, I think it was like... When the therapist had said to me, you need to start calling him he and using Cody. And I like I kept rolling my eyes like this is stupid, but okay, fine, whatever. Mm. But I will never forget, Cody, when the therapist was done talking to me and she put you on the phone. Do you remember that conversation? And I was like, hey, Cody. And you were like, what? In a good way, it was like, uh, oh, you have my attention. You're calling me my name. Like, that's kind of
2: where it started for me, I think, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. That's that's when things started to turn around. Yeah. You
1: no, know, like a big thing I always find it really important to focus on, especially with this podcast, is that I really try to show people that change takes time. Oh, And yeah. it's not yeah. this, like, sudden, immediate thing. So I understand that in the narration, there was this heroic social worker who said this amazing thing to you but also like yes if we were doing the movie of your lives that is the change right
0: yeah i would say so
1: but i do think it's also important to highlight the like rough parts afterwards i want to hear from each of you what the rough parts were like I think for me,
0: um, and as some, this is something I told Cody from the beginning, was I felt like he was demanding, I am now your son. My name is Cody. This is the way it's going to be, period. And that's what it felt like on my end. Hmm. And so for me, I had to come back with, okay, wait a minute. You've known in your heart and in your mind for a while that you were a boy. Like you've known this for a while. I haven't. Hmm. So the thing I told him was you had your time to process. Give me my time.
2: Cody, how'd that feel for you? I guess I I was in in a rush because I was like, I'm finally correct in my identity and I finally feel like myself when I hadn't known myself like almost my whole life. And I had been out for a year, a little over a year. So I felt like, you know, how much time do you need?
0: And I remember like, we went down to get his top surgery and we were at a rest area. remember that. And walked into the rest area and this guy held the door open for us. Ladies first. Finally, I I got it now. Like my mm. heart sunk for my kid. Like, oh, they said he's a girl. Oh, mm. and I cannot believe how much I've changed in a year from that whole perspective. But yeah, so then Cody kind of looked at me and I looked at him and I said, are you okay? And he's like, mm, but it's that whole thing. And mama bear comes out and I'm like, are you safe? Do you want me to wait? Are we going to wait? What are we going to do? Like, and I'm trying to. You know, Cody, ju- he was just about 18, a-, a month shy from 18, trying to mit- let him figure some things out. But also, I told him when he was a little kid, I was going to fight for him the rest of his life. And I'm always going to mm. fight for my kid. What does that look like when he's 18 and can do things on his own?
1: It's an interesting thing I'm just recognizing, seeing that it's like the mama bear mentality, the mama bear mindset has been present throughout one mama bear mindset was changing Cody. And then the other mama bear mindset was just being like, okay, Cody is who he is changing Uh, everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. for sure. And Cody, how has, how has that change registered for you or, or how do you feel about it?
2: It was really weird at first, just because I had been used to years and years of like, this isn't what God wants for you. And, um, like I'm worried about your salvation, so we went from that to you know walking in the grocery store, and she's like, "Well, my kid uses he pronouns to, <laughs> right. to strangers." Yeah. Um, so it was a pretty dramatic shift, yeah. and obviously I was grateful, so grateful for that shift, but it was weird to get used to. Yeah. Um, and like talking to my friends, and like especially within the last probably six months talking about like her TikTok and they're like, well, what kind of videos does she make? And I'm like, she literally just talks about me. (laughs) So it was definitely um, a dramatic shift. You have a very
1: big presence on TikTok.
2: (laughs) I do.
0: I started TikTok because I had four months off of work. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was out for one of my mini 10 mile walks and I was out walking and I was like walking and talking in a video. And I just started talking about him and people just I mean I was getting messages like oh my son is trans and then I was like I'm not the only one hmm. cuz I'd never shared my story with anybody. I never talked to another parent who had a trans kid ever. Yeah. Ever. And to be able to be there for someone is such a gift. Such a gift to be able to do that.
2: Like even before she even like gained any traction, mm-hmm. I was like she's taking time out of her day to spread what she learned. And what she went through Mm. and accepted the fact and shared with people and still shares with people that she didn't um, respond correctly in the beginning. And that in a weird way meant a lot to me, even though it was just on a random social media platform. But it kind of resurfaced those feelings of like, yeah, I'm okay with this.
0: And and along with that, uh, we just had this talk last week, I think it was. And and Cody kind of said it and I agreed that I feel like part of me subconsciously is making up for all the shit that I did mm. by helping out somebody else who's going through it. And so I feel like if I can get on this platform and hopefully be with other kids, because I know what I did to him was not okay. Mm. And so I maybe it's just making up for it. That's not really why I'm doing it, but I think that's part of it maybe.
2: I don't want to put feelings in your mouth, but to me it kind of seems like repaying your debt yeah almost for sure. I would agree to that, and to me, um, like I don't hold any resentment, and I'm actually grateful because mm-hmm. not only are you quote unquote repaying your debt, but also you're being there for kids who, if they didn't have you, they would have nothing mm-hmm. and while while I virtually had had nothing aside from friends, I'm okay now, and we fixed our relationship now so you're using your education and your growth to spread the positivity that i wasn't able to have at that point to me but also to other kids who don't have that.
1: Cody, i don't i don't want to like put words in your mouth or make you manufacture a feeling that you didn't have. So just answer this, you know, as honestly as possible, but was there a like as your mom was like going through this transformation um of being a better mom to a trans son was there also a kind of process that you had to go through to forgive her
2: oh yeah definitely 100% obviously i was so grateful that she you know educated herself and changed her mind and everything but there was a kind of resentment, like, where was all of this a year ago, two yeah, years ago? For sure. Where was all of this when I was 13 and coming of age and had a girlfriend? Like, where was all of this support back then? Like, maybe if I had the support, I wouldn't have gone to th- four mental hospitals.
0: Absolutely. Um, mm.
2: So there was a healing process for me telling myself that I can't change what happened and she can't change what happened. And that I did forgive her and um, that she was always just trying to do what was best for me. And um, she did end up doing the right thing. So that's what matters.
0: And I'll tell you, this is really interesting. Sitting here this close, dialoguing this well, when two years ago, I was every rotten name in the book. Like I Mm -hmm. was, I mean, I was completely hated. He didn't want to be in the same room with me at all. And that's something I caused. It's not, a, it's not him, it's me. So it's cool to hear this in a different, we're in a different time of life now where we can hear this stuff and go, ah, hmm. got it, okay.
2: Yeah, and I think about yeah. that a lot. Like two or three years ago, I was literally afraid, afraid of this woman.
1: Yeah.
2: Like afraid of what she thought of me, afraid of, um, you know, disappointing her, afraid of not being who she wanted me to be, afraid of like our relationship you know not existing for you know the near future, mm. and now here I am getting into a car with an ally sticker on it, and <laughs> she always has her ally, her ally necklace on mm-hmm. and it's just crazy to think about how I'm sitting next to this this person who loves me with all of her heart and always has, but that I used to be afraid of
1: yeah you 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 brought up the word of the show, which is you know the word hate. So did you ever
2: really feel that you hated
1: the other or did you feel that the other hated
2: you? Me personally I hated her. Mm. And I I will own that. I literally hated her because in my eyes I felt like I just want to be free and you're trying to mold me into this person that I keep telling you that I'm that I'm not hmm. and That's I accurate. I didn't, I didn't think I was ever going to turn 16. Me either. And so I held a mm. lot of resentment towards her because I didn't feel loved. I felt like she only loved who I used to be and who she wanted me to be. So I can say in that moment, I did hate her. And I never felt like she hated me as a person, but I've, I definitely felt like she hated who I who I was becoming and who I wanted to be, but I never felt hated by my mom. Hmm.
0: I would say that's pretty accurate. I think I I hated the LGBTQ community. I don't know if I ever told you that story, but yeah, you did. Like ugh, the minute the minute you came out, everybody's sending me all kinds of stuff on Facebook. Oh, gay pride, free mom hugs. I'm like just. Your stupid community took my kid from me, and so now I got to deal with the shit
1: afterwards. Is where I, that's just where your I was. stupid community, meaning the LGBT, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure, because they coerced you. You know that that's just where my mentality was, and mm-hmm. so I would have never kicked him out. I would have never left him homeless on the street. None of that stuff would have ever happened. I didn't go to that extreme, mm-hmm. but I hated you for thinking that you were someone else.
1: Yeah, but then there's that also. Kind of confusing thing that Jana, the messages you were getting from your faith community were that actually this is love, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So religion and faith, or specifically um, a specific interpretation of religion, yes, yeah, was a significant factor. Absolutely, in in the rift between you, is that fair to say? Oh, I would absolutely.
0: say absolutely.
2: I would dare say it is. It is specifically yeah, specifically agreed. It wasn't just something that played a part. It was what drove us apart.
0: Absolutely agree. Because I think if I was not a Christian and wasn't involved in a church, I wouldn't have cared.
2: Yeah, because the key phrase that I always heard um, in our years of struggling was, what about your salvation? Hmm. Um, Don't you want to get to heaven? I want to see you in heaven. Um, This isn't what God wants for you. Mm -hmm. This isn't how God made you. Um, I never got like— you that's gross or either that's wrong or you know that kind of stuff it was right. only religious based absolutely so i i do believe if if she was just never a christian um yeah. which i don't i don't want cuz that's a big part of who she is um and it's amazing now mm. but it religion was definitely the key component in what happened
1: yeah and and this is the part where we of course have to acknowledge that religion and re- the religious community is not a monolith. There are so many different interpretations sure. of yeah. God and how people relate to their mm-hmm. God. So I think, while I fully understand why why we are talking about religion in this way, specifically the role it had, I, I think that like there are people who are exposed in their lives to a much more open, accepting, affirming, Religious identity. And yeah, but that's not what everyone gets. Right. So I'm curious you are both and together in such different places than you were. But even still, throughout all this time, is there anything that you're like, oh, it never occurred to me to say this. It never occurred to me to ask this. Cody, you can go first.
2: Um, honestly, no. In my solo interview, you had asked me, um, "Was there something I would have asked her or said to her back yeah. then?" And I had said, "Like why? Why? Yeah. Why would you do this? And why? Like why do you feel the need?" But I think we've—it's no longer a question I would need to ask.
1: Yeah, Jana, what about you? Either a question or something you haven't told Nothing. Cody. Um,
0: after our interview last week, um, a few days ago, I had said to Cody. That I was sorry because I hadn't said that before. I mean, I had thought about it and I kind of sort of said it like by changing who I am. Mm. But we had a big long hug and cry out about that because I'm like, I I feel terrible. I never really said the words I'm sorry. So that was a that was a big one.
1: So that all happened off mic, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay, great. No, I'm glad, yeah. you know. I didn't yeah. get the exclusive, well, but no, <laughs> that's good. Well, this know, is we, it's it, better it was for just the health of your family. Yeah.
0: yeah, but it was just interesting because when it when you and I had the interview and I told you that, yeah, because you had asked me, if, you know, if there's something you could say to him, and I said I would tell him I'm sorry, and I'd cried about it when I talked to you, and then we got done, I was telling about the interview, and I just said I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm just I feel terrible, like, and we just you know, and Cody was like it's okay, and it wasn't that I never. It, it's not that I was too proud to say I'm sorry. I just never realized I had to say it. And to have to hear him say back, it's okay. Yeah. And to hug me back and say, it's okay, mom.
1: That's that's huge. Well, I'm really glad that moment happened.
0: I am too. And I, I didn't realize it was supposed to happen until the interview with you. And I was like, oh, I, this is something I need to do. I need to do this. Wow. Do
1: well, look yeah. at us. I know. So we know that there are a lot of families who are blessed with trans kids, and they might not see that as a blessing right now, which is to say there are a lot of families like you were years ago. Absolutely, yeah. I want to hear what you'd say to them.
0: I would say to parents that it's going to be okay. That's the biggest thing that I can say is it's going to be okay.
2: Hmm.
0: Find a support group. Find a connection with somebody that's going through the same things. Your child is still your child. You can not understand it, but support them and love them. Or, as we know, the rates of suicide are high with trans kids 40% attempt. You can go visit them at the grave. Hmm. Those are your options. And it's not a phase. 1% 1% of kids change their mind. It's not a phase. You have to let your kid lead the direction with that. If you're if you're noticing traits at four and five and six years old of your biological son saying he's a girl, oh, well, tell me about that. Okay, don't put labels on them, but let them lead that process hmm. because then you're encouraging them to be who they want to be and they're not going to be ashamed and feel like Cody had to feel when he first came out. My biggest thing for parents is just love your kids. Just love them. Love them. Tell them every day that you love them and show it by trying to learn who they are. Yeah. That's my big one.
1: Everything you just said is so beautiful, but it's kind of hard to put into action for parents who are really in the thick— like. If you had heard that just now, and I don't mean to correct this no, beautiful thing please. you just said, but yeah. if you had heard what you just said four years ago, you would have been like, okay, lady, yeah, I love my kid. I love my kid so much, and I want to protect him. You wouldn't have used right. that correct pronoun, but you know, you <laughs> right. would have been like, I want to protect my kid, and that's just what I want to do. And this is a complicated thing to ask, or or morally complicated, but with love— to Jana from four years ago? Like, how, how would you even get through to her? How, how would you well, get through to her now?
0: Yeah. Um, we both know a parent who's, who's doing this to their kid right now, and, and um, they're in the midst of it, and um, yeah, it's a big mess. So I picture them when I say this. Mm. I would probably knock on their door and say, let's go for a walk. Mm. Tell me what you're feeling right now. Are you mad? Are you anxious? What? Where? Where is your emotion coming from? Because I think a lot of parents' emotion is coming from what is everybody going to say and how do I keep my kids safe? I think mostly that's what it is. And so that's, I think, where I would start and just let them lead the way of what they're thinking and how they're feeling. Just tell me where you are right now in this moment. You're scared? That is okay. You're mad? That is okay. You're not understanding why your kid thinks, with air quotations, that they are another gender. That is okay. Those feelings are all valid feelings. Those are all very, very valid. It's how we react to those feelings. It's not okay.
1: Yeah. And then in terms of like the education, mm-hmm. specifically, what does getting educated look like? Because again, it's this thing that we say on Twitter all the time, but it's like you know how.
0: Yeah. Um, Getting educated for me meant doing a lot of, which I don't know if I ever told you this, but a lot of late night Googling. What is trans? What is a person who's asexual? What does that mean? Like, what does this mean when you think you're pan? And what is the, what is a top surgery? What does that look like? Like just learning about who they are. Oh, okay. You're pansexual. What does that mean for me? Like, let me look up what Google has to say and look up as many, as many articles as you can. I was looking at, you didn't know this either, but looking at a lot of YouTube trans people talking about who they are and what it meant. Oh, so for me, it's just educating myself meant looking at as many resources as I possibly could and then using your child as a resource and saying, what does that mean? Because I still ask you stuff. What does that mean? You know, can I use this word? nope that's only for the gay community to use this <laughs> word or can I do like I don't know what I yeah. don't know and no, so yeah. how do we educate we ask we 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 look up things I mean we, we've we got the internet on our hands all day on our phone look up stuff ask people look for support groups because the more you educate yourself the more your kid is going to feel connected to you and they're going to want to be a part and you're going to want to be a part of their life as well when they know okay mom is trying
1: yeah yeah yeah. no that's yeah That's perfect. Um, Cody, what would you say to a young trans person who was where you were four years ago, three, three years ago, maybe even two years ago? What would you say?
2: Um, I would say just hold on as hard as you can. Just don't let go because I really wanted to. I Really didn't see myself living after 16. I, I didn't see myself hitting my 16th birthday. I really didn't hmm. like point blank. I, I, I really didn't. I didn't see myself having a future. I didn't see myself getting married. I didn't see myself getting a house. Nothing. It just didn't matter to me because I didn't feel like my parents loved me and wanted to support me and, and, um, go th- with me on my journey. I didn't feel like I had much worth left. And I know that's a common feeling, um, but I would just tell them just to hold on and to remind themselves that they do have worth, because if you have a body, no matter what that body looks like, no matter what your brain looks like, no matter what your brain thinks you have worth, if you take up space in this world, that is okay. And you have worth and that eventually it does get better, no matter what that getting better looks like, Mm. because your parent may change their mind and educate them themselves like my mom did. And um, your life will change dramatically and you'll finally be happy for once in your life and you will feel right and you will feel good taking up space in the world. And then if your parent doesn't end up coming around, then it will get better because life changes and while you hate it right now and you don't see a point in carrying out right now, um, it does get better and it does change and it is worthwhile because I'm the happiest I have ever been in my life.
1: Jana, how are you feeling right now? Well,
2: you know, you go from a kid who wants to die to,
0: you know, saying everybody has worth. And I, I was trying to tell him that when he was younger. You're amazing. You're fine. And no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Well, I was not realizing that I was one telling him that he wasn't. So hearing him say, hold on. Mm. And I didn't think I was going to make it. That's powerful stuff.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, I really just want to say thank you so much for <laughs> just even doing this. Like, yeah, this feels... Um I really hope and think that this could be a huge resource to you know maybe even not directly right maybe it's not even like a trans boy who is trying to come out to his resistant mom you know like <laughs> right I think there are parallels. I think there are mm-hmm. all sorts sure. of ways we don't understand each other, all sorts of ways that we think we're loving someone when actually that love is the opposite, you know? like Yeah. And I think that it's really helpful to hear this stuff from people who made it through to the other side.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think— if it plants a seed for some parent who's got a two-, three-, four-year-old who they're noticing, ah, oh, they're a boy, but they like to paint their nails. Nothing wrong with masculine men painting their nails, by the way. I'm just saying. If that turns into, oh, they want to wear dresses, oh, they say they're a girl, I would love for somebody to be able to hear this podcast yeah. before that. So then when they hear it, they have the tools ready and available, and they can go, I've heard somebody talk about this. Yeah. And they know what to do. For me, I had nothing. I had nobody to tell me anything. I did this all on my own. That's why I screwed it up so bad. Cause I didn't have anybody in the beginning to say, whoa, 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 here's what's really going on. So my hope is that somebody, you know, that's, that's why I got a hold of your, your, of you in the first place was that's why I do TikTok. If I can get to people out there and they can hear this before it happens, mm. then they have the right tools. So when my kid came to me at 13, I said, I think I'm a lesbian. I would have said, tell me about that. Hmm really? What's her name? Who do you like? Really? That would have been really cool. So if I can get someone else to that point, that's the whole reason I'm doing it.
1: Well, it's also about modeling, right? Like, Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. while I do think it's definitely important to take accountability of the pain we cause other people, something I always try to focus on is like, Jana, you did not invent transphobia. You know, like you were (laughs) getting transphobic messages over and over and over again and even those people Jana, who were giving you those messages like they did not invent that either and that's hard to hear i I, it's it's something that i always struggled with like early on in the podcast when i was speaking you know one-on-one to my own detractors exclusively it's like oh yeah like it was on the phone that i was like this person is not homophobia, right? <laughs> they are not the thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, like they're a tiny infinitesimal mm-hmm. part of that big thing. Exactly. And then individually, they're this whole realized person. It's like this balance back and forth between this macro and this micro and the big and the small over and over again. Yes, And that's absolutely. what this is all about. It's like understanding those big things through these small conversations, through individual people, which is what creates those big things. It's this back and forth, constant back and forth.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and I think, and then, again, just just from my relationship with God standpoint is I feel like he uses everything for his good, and as wrong as it was for me to treat Cody the way that I did, this is, the good part of this is one of me doing something wrong can get to a lot of people, so they do it right.
1: Yeah, that's that's... That's, like, I think the best consequence of media and social media, too. Um, Yeah. Thank you both so much for doing this. I love this conversation. Yeah, Yeah.
0: this has been been neat to be able to hear it sitting next to him like this. Like, it's been really— Nothing was said that I didn't know already, but it was still neat to hear it in this kind of context, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Well— I think that wraps it up for today. So I just want to say, Jana and Cody, thank you so much for opening up about all this stuff and coming on with me here today. Yeah.
0: Thank you. It's been nothing short of a pleasure.
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Amazing. Okay, well, bye guys. Bye. Bye. If you have an idea for a conversation for this show, head on over to www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com and fill out the brief submission form. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was mixed by Vincent Cachione. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The logo was designed by Philip Blackowl with a photo by Mindy Tucker. And this show is made by me, Dylan Marin. You can pre-order Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the book, by following the link in the description of this episode, or you can buy it wherever you buy books. Thank you so much for listening, and guess what? We are weekly now, so stay tuned next week for a brand new conversation. And until then, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen.
2: dark times and It's hard to take it but We're gonna make it through these dark times Make it through these dark times
1: Make it through these dark times